0: welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have our guest on today, Jennifer. Jennifer is a fellow coach. Jennifer, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work.
1: Hey, Christina. Thanks for having me here. I am ecstatic to be on your podcast right now. I, my name is Jennifer Dent Brown. I'm a life and weight loss coach, and I help women learn to stop dieting forever. My clients are emotional eaters, and they're the ones that have been on diet after diet after diet after diet, trying to lose weight, but something's not clicking. And so that was my story. And I was just determined to figure it out. I was like, look, not everyone has a weight problem. I'm deciding that I want to be in that category with the people who don't have weight problems. I just figured out what what was missing. And so what was missing was just the mindset piece of weight loss.
0: Yes. Okay. I want to tie this together because I do actually think that a lot of people listening have struggled with their weight for a long time, and we're going to talk about the connection probably between weight and procrastination, which is that commonality of feelings, and so we're going to dig into that, but even if you're someone who's listening who doesn't struggle with your weight, pay attention to everything else that we're talking about because whatever it is for you, it's going to connect even if it's not through weight.
1: Eating is just one way of avoiding emotions, avoiding the uncomfortable feeling. It could be drinking. It could be Netflixing. It could be online shopping, you name it, right? Social media. It's the same reward that we're getting by procrastinating and focusing on the thing. And it's the same thought that we have that makes it, that drives us to do that
0: let's dive into that. So what we're talking about is this category of buffering, which is basically avoiding your emotions by seeking something external. But what is that thought that drives people to buffer?
1: Oh, it's different for everyone. And it really is, usually it's not a very clear thought. It's just that I don't want to feel something. So I'm just going to eat seems so much better, so much more enjoyable. Grabbing something to eat is just, oh, that's easy because there's food everywhere, right? We have in the society that we live in now, We have access to food 24-7. We can order food, deliver to the house. We have food everywhere. And if you don't want to do something or you don't feel like you want to do something, it's very easy to just fall into the habit of, oh, let me just get something to eat real quick. And our brain is tricky because it will allow us to think that we're physically hungry. I talk about the five different types of hunger but it really isn't a physical hunger. It's more of an emotional hunger. And so if you ever find yourself standing in the pantry, standing in the refrigerator, like, Ooh, what do I want to eat? Like, what is enticing me? Like, what do I want to eat right now? Or you find yourself like picking at different things, trying to like feel satisfied. Know that that's not physical hunger. That is definitely emotional hunger.
0: I think it's really interesting too with people who are working on projects. It's like if you have a work block on your calendar and then you're in the kitchen, that is a really good indicator that there's something that you're not wanting to face within your project. And food feels really comforting.
1: And it's easy. It's common. For me, that was one of the things I had to work on was when I was building my business, I was still working full-time in corporate. And so... If there was something that I know I needed to do for my business, and I only had like a small fraction of time to do it, but my brain was tired, or I just didn't feel like doing it, and I worked from home, it was real easy to just like, you know what, I need to take a break. I need to rest my mind for a minute. And so that meant, oh, let me go into the kitchen and like grab a handful of nuts, or like stick a fork in last night's dinner that's, you know, leftovers in the refrigerator, And all of those BLTs, I call them bites, licks, and tastes, they add up, right? They add up to weight gain. This is super interesting. I'm thinking
0: back to the beginning of the pandemic, and I just had an inkling right away. I was like, this time is going to be really good for business as a procrastination coach. Because I was like, everyone all of a sudden is forced into their 500 square feet, 600 square feet, 2000 square feet at home with just themselves. And I was like, everyone's vices are right at the tip of their fingers now, right? So the food's right there. The social media is right there. And compound that with the fact that everyone was feeling completely uncertain and terrified. And I was like, "This this is where coaching is going to thrive. And I think that's what we saw in the coaching industry is people were like, I'm struggling now. Let me seek out a coach. Was that your experience for the pandemic as well?
1: Oh, yeah. My business blew up (laughs) during the pandemic. And the other thing that was a factor in the pandemic was like, there was like this culture of everyone was talking about Netflixing. Everybody was talking about like eating their favorite snacks. And I remember doing some research. I forgot. Maybe I was doing a talk or something, or maybe my podcast. And the percentage increase of packaged snack goods. That in, the increase during the pandemic was just like, it was just crazy. It was crazy. And that's what people were leaning towards comfort food. So it was kind of like, well, you're on social media and you see, oh, somebody's eating their Ben and Jerry's or they're eating their Doritos and she's eating her potato chips. So oh, I feel better now about me comforting myself during this uncertain time. So it was, yeah, it was wild.
0: I heard the same thing with alcohol is so many people just making totally lighthearted jokes about how they were drinking so much. And I remember thinking, I was like, okay, this is going to be problematic for our society, right? If everyone is hiding their feelings in alcohol. And I just want to say, I'm like, there's no problem with drinking. I have, n- I drink. But what we're talking about is drinking to avoid the negative emotion or eating to avoid the negative emotion. So actually, I think that's a really good segue into how does somebody distinguish A behavior that's fine for them versus a behavior that has a net negative effect.
1: A behavior that's fine for them. So give me an example. So like for me, drinking. Like when I drink, I feel pretty okay about
0: that. I feel like I do it in moderation. I feel like I'm not drinking to avoid my emotions. Like I feel like I have a healthy relationship with alcohol now, much healthier than it used to be. So for me, I'm like, I don't have a net negative impact of that drinking, but I know for a lot of people they're drinking past that point of diminishing returns. So how would you work with a client to distinguish that?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. So there's numbing and there's buffering. So those are two different actions. Buffering is realizing you're feeling a negative emotion and you just don't want to, you don't want to deal with it. So you're just like, oh, let me just go do something else. Whereas numbing is, and we use a lot of times we do use alcohol to numb is when we have, we can't even acknowledge, we don't even know what the negative emotion is. We just know that we feel like shit. And so we're just like, oh, I need to relax. I feel tight. I feel stressed. And we use like alcohol to numb ourselves from actually feeling that emotion. Alcohol is a really good one because I'm saying good, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> With one that a lot of us use for numbing because it does have like a chemical reaction on our brains that allows us to like feel chemically a different way until we wake up the next day. So I think there's a balance of understanding where you cross the line. So you know, and I know, like I also drink, I know that I can have two drinks of this and be okay. The third one, I don't know, might put me a little bit over. The fourth one, definitely I'm um, over the line. And so I've just come, and the same thing with eating, right? I've just come to this point of I prefer to feel energetic. I prefer to feel a much better way on my body. So it's that ROI like you talk about of working on a project. I feel much better at the end of the day when I'm buoyant and I'm not bloated and I'm clear headed and I'm focused versus that temporary enjoyment of having that third cocktail or that fourth cocktail.
0: I love the way that you said that I prefer because it's such a non-judgmental way to talk about it. And it's a way that doesn't put your character at stake. Because I think a lot of people are like, okay, well, now that I realize I'm buffering or numbing, now I should feel bad about myself because I should have more self-control than that. But I love that idea of like, no, I just prefer to feel better. And that's why I choose not to buffer and sometimes probably do choose to buffer.
1: Totally. Totally. I was buffering this morning. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) I did a live in my group today about it. And I was like, look, y'all, this is what happens. So I'll I'll just tell you the story. I woke up, and this happens with everyone, right? I woke up. I was in what I call problemville. My brain was like camped out in problemville where everything is a problem. I had lots of things I was worried about. And so I knew this and I felt like shit. And I was like, oh my God, today's gonna be such a long day. And I got all this stuff to do. And I'm traveling tomorrow and I gotta do laundry, like just the whole list of things. And so I sat, sat down on my table where I do my self-coaching, got my tea, like all the things. I pick up my phone and what do I start doing? Scrolling on social media. All right. Oh, let me look in this group. Oh, let me look, oh, that's such a cute picture. Oh, let me look on Instagram. Like, so I spent a half an hour probably, or more. Just scrolling on social media until I kind of like had this awareness. I looked at the clock and I was like, oh, 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 I've been doing this for a minute. I'm like, oh, I'm buffering. And so then I was like, all right, let me like get to the heart of it. Before I did anything else, I just wrote down this one question. and I ask myself this question every single day, and this is good for your audience too. What am I worried about today? What am I worried about today? And that just like was the onslaught of all the problems that were swirling around in my head or what I perceived as problems. And then I was able to like literally just solve half of them just by writing them down really quickly. 30 minutes, right? So 30 minutes I spent buffering. And then when I had like my come to Jesus moment, like, oh, let me shift out of this problem bill. Because otherwise my whole week was going to be ruined (laughs) based off of what I was thinking. Write down what's really bothering me, start to come up with solutions, and then just decide how do I want to experience the day? So that's where I finish. Like, okay, how do I want to experience this day? How do I want to show up today? And that put me in a completely different state of mind. What
0: I love about that is that you didn't spend any time judging yourself for having gone down a buffering rabbit hole, right? It's just like, yep, I did that. Here's why. And then I've been calling this lately your make sense moment, where you have that moment where you make the whole list of all the things you're worried about. And then you're like, oh, it makes sense that I didn't want to face all of this. Okay. But (laughs) facing it is better than not facing it.
1: Yeah. That is definitely one thing I help my clients with the most is that checking the self-judgment at the door and recognizing That it's okay that you're in this place right now. Like, it's not a problem that you're feeling stressed. It's not a problem that you're feeling worried. It's not a problem that you're feeling anxious. Like, we all have these human emotions, but it is a problem when you decide, like, oh, it's a problem because I'm stressed out. Like, no, it's just part of life. And so I spent a lot of time coaching my clients on how to self soothe themselves, how to like, calm their nervous systems down, how to just be more compassionate. And I always say like the self-compassion just begins with understanding. So if you can understand why you're feeling stressed out or understanding why you're like anxious, and I love the fact too, like write it all down and you can see on paper like, oh yeah, okay. So this makes sense of why I'm feeling this way and it's okay.
0: Yeah. And I can do something about it. Like you said, half of it I can just deal with and the other half I can at least soothe myself emotionally through the fact that I might not be able to deal with it right away. Okay, this is really good. And the other thing I want to point out too is that I'll talk about social media. If you look into how social media is designed, it is literally designed to create chemicals in your brain that keep you addicted. And so we tend to think of this numbing and buffering as a personal failure. And I'm like, no, the man, quote unquote, is out there literally trying to get you hooked on these devices. And I think you could probably say the same thing with a lot of food that's really concentrated or alcohol. They're literally affecting you on a chemical level. So if you feel, let's say, helpless in the current moment to, quote unquote, resist that, that is normal. And that's actually how things are designed to work. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, totally. So I have two things to say about that. Hopefully I'll remember both of them. The first thing with the social media, I was just reading, of course, I, no, I wasn't reading it. I saw it on, on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had posted a video about the difference of TikTok in China versus TikTok in the US. Have you heard about this? No,
0: but I just deleted TikTok. So now I'm very curious.
1: <laughs> yeah. So apparently the TikTok that they, that they show in China, which is where it's originated, is completely different from what's in the U.S. So in China, it's more like academic focused. There's a time limit on it. You have to be at least 14 to get on to TikTok. It's focused on engineering and sciences. Like it's all like educational and supporting like expansion. Like we'll just say you know self expansion in education. Whereas in the U.S. It's completely different. And then what the guy was saying is like the U.S. face is like, this is China's way of attacking a country by infiltrating their mindset. Everybody's on TikTok. Everybody's looking at the cat videos and the dancing moms and all the things. And again, to your point, the way that social media is designed, it's designed to keep you scrolling, to keep you looking at the next one. They give you like a sneak peek of the next one. And then you're like, oh, what's that? And you just keep going. And it's not designed in the US to educate us. It's not designed to bring us together. It's very, you know, the way the guy that was, he was explaining it in the video. It's like, this is China's way of warfare, like emotional warfare through social media. And it's working.
0: Let's talk about TikTok for a second, because I think it's just emblematic of every social media platform, but for me, TikTok a hundred percent has been the most addictive. And I've thought about it a lot. I'm like, why TikTok above any other channel? And I'm like, it's video. So it's super engaging and it's quick videos. And it's so insanely personalized to you. So every single thing that lands on your for you page, you're like, wow, this is made for me. Right. In a way that keeps you addicted. And my other thought for me is Instagram My Instagram is very business-focused, which is great if I want to learn. But to your point, I'm like, if I want entertainment, it's TikTok. I don't know anybody there, and it's just disappearing into this alternate universe. So I actually, like two days ago, deleted TikTok because I was like, I cannot have a healthy relationship with TikTok at this point, despite the fact that I am a coach who knows a lot about mindset and a lot about emotions. I was like, I cannot resist the way that the formula is set up. So I deleted it. But the thing that I used to do, and I'll just give this as a tip for everybody, when I used to scroll on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook even, I would ask myself if I kind of got to a point where I was feeling grumpy, I'd be like, what am I trying to feel right now? And my answer was always like comfort or satisfaction. And then my next question was, is it working? And with an app like that, that literally never runs out, you never get to the bottom of it. I was like, I'm never going to feel satisfied. And that's when I learned to put my phone down because I was like, whatever the emotion I'm trying to get is not working here, I'm done.
1: But it's hard. Yeah. Because it's designed, like you said, hit that dopamine center in your brain to keep you scrolling. Same thing with the food companies. A lot of the foods that we love to eat, because when we're buffering, nobody's like running to the refrigerator to go grab some broccoli. Like, like we're going to look for the ice cream. We're going to look for the cookies. We're going to look for like the donuts and the cakes, the kid snacks. All of those foods are chemically engineered. Somebody was in a lab creating certain preservatives and additives to add to these comfort foods that hit a palate or hit our palates that like, ooh, light us up, that make us want more. Like when's the last time you stuck your hand in a bag of potato chips and was like, oh, I'll just have one and put it down. I was talking to one of my clients the other day and she was like, Lay's potato chips? She's like, I can't. She's like, I can't. She's like, if I eat one Lay's he's like, I'm eating the whole bag. So there's just no willpower whatsoever. And I was like, yeah, because Lay's, the company Lay's has designed the food to have the crunch, the smell of it, the color of the bag. Like it's all enticing to you and it's all like making your brain light up of like, ooh, I'm about to have this wonderful experience. And it's cheap, right? You can spend $2 and get a huge bag of Lay's and consume it in one go. And you're, you're like, it's not like hurting your pockets at all. And you have this wonderful experience, but it's temporary. It is that instant gratification. And so I think what we both do, Christina, is like teach our clients how to resist the urge to do the thing to procrastinate? How do we resist the urge to, you know, go to 7-Eleven and just get some junk food? It doesn't have to be junk food. It could be kale chips. Like I was totally overeating with the kale chips. Like, oh, I'm a health coach. I love cassava chips. But if you look at the nutritional breakdown of a cassava chip, it still reacts the same in my body as, as a potato chip or a tortilla chip. So I was just fooling myself.
0: This is so funny. I'm like, this is very Pavlovian because as you're describing these Lay's potato chips, my mouth is watering. And I'm like, this is what they do. They did this, (laughs) right? If we want to blame someone, I'm like, stop blaming yourself. Start blaming
1: the corporations. It's your brains just reacting to external stimuli. That's it. But then we layer on the judgment of like, oh, my God, I can't believe I ate the potato chips. Oh, my God, I can't believe I just spent 30 minutes on TikTok. Like, I just wasted so much time. I'm a failure. Nothing's going to work. Like, when we layer that self-judgment on, that's when it becomes a problem. And then we just get stuck in that cycle of, like, feeling like crap and then going back to the thing to make us feel better. that, And then we make ourselves feel like crap because we did it again. And we get stuck in, the, in that hamster wheel. So step one, remove the self-judgment.
0: And I love the thought that you said, which is this is just my brain reacting to external stimuli. And then the question I would tack on is why? What is the emotion I'm not wanting to feel right now? So let's go into that. So we've talked about buffering and numbing, why we do it, how we do it. What advice would you give or what process would you give to someone who's like, this sounds great. Now, how do I stop? What is the first step there?
1: I think awareness and understanding what the emotion is that we're feeling. I know when my clients come to me, it's very much like, hey, how are we feeling today? It's either good, bad, I'm fine, I'm okay. Like it's just real like basic level emotion. In my program, I teach emotional literacy and it's just becoming... More in tune with what the feeling is in your body, how the emotion feels in your body, or what is that thought that's causing the feeling. So it can go both ways, but just like tapping in and being more aware of it. So we don't question, just generally, we don't question. We've never been taught to question, like, how are you really feeling? And I don't think it's a problem to not know how you're feeling. I don't know how I'm feeling a lot. I use my emotions wheel all the time. Like I have mine right here. I have an uncomfortable one. I have them folded up. Like I'm always like, how am I feeling right now? And I use this to really get like in tune with, okay, this is exactly how I'm feeling right now. Oh, this is the thought that's causing the feeling. And I think it's okay to use like, or Google, right? You know, emotions and just kind of like, okay, pick and choose like, oh, maybe this is what I'm feeling and exploring what that feels like. But I think the awareness of what a feeling is, what a different feeling is, how sometimes certain feelings have like different levels or different layers of it and they show up differently. And really understanding what that is for you makes a huge difference. How would you explain why that makes a difference? Because I'm
0: totally on the same page with you. Obviously, this is something we work on in my program as well. And I love that you call it emotional literacy. But what do you think is the benefit of getting the nuance of your emotions?
1: I think it's easier to pinpoint. Okay. So yeah, that's a good question, Christina. When you can pinpoint the emotion, then you can decide, okay, do I want to keep feeling this way or do I want to change it? Right. Do I want to change the trajectory of what the, where this is heading? So if we go back to my example this morning of my buffering, I was avoiding feeling disappointed. And... Anxious because I had a lot of things to do traveling tomorrow. I was avoiding both of those feelings. So, when I was able to stop and pinpoint and say, Okay, I see what's happening right now, I'm disappointed about something that I saw this morning, and I'm feeling anxious about this jam packed day I have to do tomorrow and the fact that I'm out of pocket the rest of the week. When I could pinpoint that, I was like, Okay. And then I could question it. Do I want to stay here? Do I want to continue to feel disappointed? Do I want to continue to feel anxious? And then I connect with my my future self, right? I connect with the person I'm working to become. And that person's like, hell no. We don't want to, we don't want to feel like, no, this is not a reason to feel disappointed. This is not a good reason to feel anxious. You just need to solve a problem. Bing, bang, boom, done. So when you can pinpoint what the emotion is faster you can decide faster how to move yourself out of it.
0: I love what you just said. The faster you can pinpoint what the emotion is, the faster you can get to a solution. And I, I'll just tack on that it helps you solve the right problem. So to your point, if you don't know what the emotion is, then you're trying to solve some emotion that's not what you're actually experiencing. And so it's like you're throwing solutions at yourself, but they're not going to stick because they're not solving the actual problem that's going on. So I love the way that you said that. Why do you think it's so painful for people at this point, after knowing what the emotion is, to sit with that emotion instead of reaching for a buffer?
1: Because a buffer feels good. <laughs> like, let's be real. Yep. <laughs> if we go back to the Lay's potato chip, right? The Lay's potato chip is much more enjoyable than feeling a negative or uncomfortable emotion the donut is much more enjoyable. Those videos, much more enjoyable to watch than it is to feel whatever the uncomfortable emotion is. And so it takes a level of effort to decide in this moment, okay, do I want to stay here or do I want to change how I'm feeling right now? I
0: love the honesty here of being like, yeah, it just feels better sometimes to buffer or probably always feels better to buffer. And again, the reason why we're recommending that you don't always choose buffering is because there is that net negative impact. So feeling like you're hungover or gaining weight or in the case of procrastination, I'm like, you are usually, like let's say you're scrolling on social media. Not only do you not get the result of working on your most incredible projects and seeing that real progress and feeling out of yourself. You rob yourself of all of that. But I would also say that scrolling on social media usually feels good for like one minute. And then we reach this point where we're still doing it, but we're no longer enjoying it. And I would say that's probably true for Lays, right? Is where you, the first few bites feel good. And then you feel like you've just lost all control and like you're outside of yourself. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, totally. You're in the moment. It's that indulgent. Well, I say you're indulging in the, the buffering or you're indulging in the numbing because you're right. After the first drink of, or the first two sips of a cocktail, it's like, oh, this is yummy. But on the fourth one of the same cocktail, it's not yummy anymore. Or with the potato chips, it's like, oh, let me just get to the end of this bag and then I'll have to worry about eating it anymore. It's just gone. I teach my clients of like, okay, are we indulging in this emotion because it's more comfortable and you get to eat all the fun things that you think are so great? Or is it like, okay, well, do we want to focus on the results that we're working on? Do we want to focus on that future celebration, the return on our investment? Like, Would you want to focus on that and to help move you out of this indulgent place?
0: So I actually heard Brooke Castillo say this one time of the Life Coach School. She was like, if you eat popcorn really slowly, you realize that popcorn's actually not delicious. And I think that's really interesting to keep in mind is like the things that we are buffering with, if you slow down and you're fully present to them, is it actually enjoyable? And I think that's one of the most surefire ways to stop buffering as much is realizing that the thing you're buffering with is not actually as good as you think it is. And the emotion you're trying to avoid is not actually as painful as you think it is, usually.
1: Yeah, definitely number two, for sure. I love that popcorn analogy. I'll have to, to reuse that one. One of the things that I my clients do, I have them create what we call identity statements. So they're working on their goals 90 days at a time. And I have them revisit their identity statement through the daily work every single day because it Gives your brain something to like anchor. It gives your brain an anchor. When you're in that moment of your face between like the apple or the potato chips, like which one do I grab? You begin to create those neural pathways because you've been looking at your 90 day goal every single day of who you're becoming. And eventually, you know, in the beginning, you might be like, oh, potato chips for sure. But maybe on the third or fourth week or the third or fourth opportunity when you're presented with apple or potato chips, you're Memory of oh, this is who we're working on. I'll take the apple, please, because you're thinking about oh, this is going to make me not make me, but it's going to contribute to me feeling better in 90 days. It's going to contribute to me feeling better tomorrow in 24 hours. Versus like I already know what the potato chips taste like. I already know I'm going to feel at the end of the day after I eat the potato chips.
0: I love that is taking yourself out of the short term and putting yourself into that long term and future focused thinking where you're actually looking out for your future self.
1: Yeah, I think I heard you talk about it too. And you use it in terms of like thinking about when your project is complete, thinking about how you're going to feel once this thing is done, you can mark done off of your to do list. So it's thinking about what decision am I making right now that's going to contribute to that feeling.
0: Yeah. I love that. And then bringing it into the now. So the thing that I always say with my clients is like, if you think you're going to finish your project and when you do, you're going to feel, let's say, proud and satisfied and accomplished and confident. Those are the most common ones that come up. And like your job is to actually create that for yourself now. And is the version of you that's already proud and accomplished and confident on social media as much as you are right now? Probably not. And so it actually, I call it acting as if. It helps you actually live into the emotional identity that you want to have and then make decisions from that place. And the decisions you make tend to be different than the ones you're currently making.
1: I love that so much. And that was something, I think we've talked about this because I was definitely a procrastinator. But one of the things I did learn was one of the reasons why I procrastinated and I had trouble kind of like tapping into that as if. I told you. I was diagnosed with ADHD like December of last year. I don't think you told me this. This is
0: good. Let's talk about this because we have a lot of people listening who have ADHD or who suspect they do.
1: Yeah. So I got officially, I suspected for a long time, but I got officially diagnosed in December of last year. And so what I learned is that I had, I had to learn how to create that done emotion because there was never, with ADHD, your brain is always like, dah, 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 onto the next thing, onto the next thing. And it's like, there's no rest. <laughs> there's no like celebration. There's no like, oh, I've achieved this thing. It's always like, oh, I got to keep going. I got to do something else. And so that's why we tend to like jump from thing to thing to thing to thing, because we get excited starting something new, but then it it tapers off. So you're like, yep, yeah, I know. These are my people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I am your person. So I had to learn how to create that feeling of like, this is done. I had to learn how to generate that feeling of like being in awe of myself because I've completed something. And I have that on my, my board right here of like, I am in awe of what you did. I'm in awe of what you've done. So I will like send myself gifts ahead of time. I'll send myself flowers. Like I am in awe that you have completed this certification that I just went through because I had to learn how to generate that feeling for myself, it, it wasn't something that came naturally. Yeah. You just
0: touched on something super important. And even if you don't have ADHD, I think this is still relevant because we're in such a fast-paced culture, is we're always ahead to the next thing and compounded with the fact that we thrive, most of us, on starting. starting feels fresh and new and alive in a way that continuing and finishing doesn't for most people. And so it's like all of that plays together to make you always be living in the future. And in this case, well, we're talking about living in the future and not in a good way, <laughs> in a way that actually robs you of the current satisfaction that you're actually seeking. So with the gifts, did you send them ahead of time or did you send them to arrive when you'd finished?
1: So this one was flowers. I sent this one when I finished. So that was the first time I did it. That's why I put the card up on my I love that. And I felt really good about myself. That was when I hit my first year of hitting six figures in my business. And so I was like, oh, I'm in awe of what you've created this year. And I sent myself these beautiful, a beautiful bouquet of flowers. And so that was, that's kind of like my reminder of like, remember, that's being in awe of yourself. Remember how you felt when you accomplished this goal and you didn't think you were going to be able to do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is so cool. I'm gonna start sending myself flowers.
1: <laughs> you should.
0: You should. I have a client who uses a special mug for her projects, or I have clients who will be like, when I finish my project, I'm gonna go out to dinner with my husband, or I'm gonna I had a client who was like, I'm gonna dance to Taylor Swift in the kitchen with a macaroon. And no, like just, <laughs> just fun little things to actually stop and celebrate yourself and actually capture. The feeling that you've been craving all along instead of letting it slip away.
1: Yeah, what you said about we're a start culture, like we get really excited with starting new things and starting projects. I realize that's also what happens with my clients. They get excited about starting a new diet. They were like, Ooh, this is going to work. And they think about, oh, look at their before and afters. It's going to be me. And like you get all excited starting that diet. And that was my story for years. But as soon as like you hit a plateau, as soon as you know you have a moment with the lays potato chips, as soon as you hit a roadblock, it's like oh, this isn't like this isn't gonna work. Let me research and find something else. Like the diet industry is a multi-billion-dollar industry, so there's always going to be something new and different to try. But do you want to spend your entire life looking for that? bright, shiny objects to work, or do you want to just figure out how to make what you're doing work for you? So I teach my
0: clients this on our one day kickoff. It's called the Valley of Despair. And I didn't come up with this. It's part of the emotional cycle of change. So if anyone's interested, we'll put it in the show notes. And it's basically this idea that when we start something, we're in what we call uninformed optimism, which I always describe as exactly what you said. We're like, ooh, I know nothing, but I'm happy. (laughs) And then we go into informed pessimism is the next step. And so we're like, oh, shit, this might actually be harder than I thought it was going to be. But we're more realistic in that stage. And then we'll often hit the valley of despair, which is that really low point It's what, like at the Life Coach School, they call the river of misery. It's that low point where you're like, this is not fresh and shiny and new anymore. It's going to be hard. It feels terrible. This is probably actually where your buffering is at its peak, right? If you're not paying attention to your emotions. And then you can either, at that valley of despair, you can quit, which is exactly what you're describing. You go and find the next diet, or you go through to the next stage, which is informed optimism, where you're like, okay. I've navigated the Valley of Despair. Now I know I can do it. And then you get into that place of success and fulfillment. And then you repeat over and over and over. (laughs) But I think it's so helpful to teach my clients that up front. And I've had my clients say, they're like, knowing that the Valley of Despair is normal and it's going to happen has made it infinitely less painful. So we see it with both of our clients, right? I love that. That was good. It's so helpful. Knowing that has changed so many things for my clients, for sure. I have one more question for you that came actually from a friend. I was talking about this episode that we were going to record it, and she was like, okay, you need to ask Jennifer about this. What do you do when you are buffering
1: and you know you're buffering, but you just don't care? That's a great question. It's completely up to you right? If you don't care, that means you're indulging in that action. you're indulging in eating, you're indulging in the social media. you're you're just indulging in feeling that negative emotion, which is what most of us do. That's we're just dis- we're programmed and we're wired to just sit in the negative to focus on the negative to focus on and what I tell my clients is it's comfortable to be in this place. Even though it's an uncomfortable feeling that we don't want to feel, even though we're feeling stressed out, we know how to feel stressed out really good. We're like experts at feeling stressed out. So it is really easy to just sit there and be like, "Oh my god, let me like call Christine and tell her I'm stressed out I am." Or let me go on Facebook, create this post about how stressed out I am. Or let me go, you know, research, right? What do you call over researching on procrastinating? Yep. <laughs> procrastinating, yes. What can I do because I'm stressed out, right? And you spend all of this time and you're still stressed out because you're deciding, you're making that decision to sit in that emotion and continuing the buffering. So you can sit there as long as you want to. But it takes that muscle of of thinking about your future self, thinking about what you're wanting to create, thinking about the end result, thinking about the celebration and just being aware of like, okay, I'm stuck in this place right now is this where I want to stay? Or do I want to get this project done? Or do I want to lose the last 10 pounds? Okay. And then that's where you make that pivot to either stay where you are or like, all right, let me give myself two more minutes to buffer. And then I'm off to go do the next thing.
0: I love that answer. And I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but you're saying like, if you want to stay there, you genuinely just have permission to stay there. And you just understand. I don't even call them consequences, but like you understand the payoff of staying in buffering and just being like, I am choosing to scroll on social media instead of facing my feelings right now, and that might be a choice that I want to make right now.
1: You're making a decision from an empowered place versus an emotional place, and it's the same thing with eating. Like you're going to go out to dinner, you're going to have a celebration dinner. Are you going to make an emotional decision and eat all the things because you had a bad day, or are you going to Order from the menu from a place of empowerment saying, okay, this is how I want to feel when I walk out of this restaurant. I don't want to feel stuffed. I want to feel energetic. I still want to feel buoyant. And so I'm going to make this decision to create this result.
0: I choose sometimes to stay. Like I was just thinking of an example of I was texting my sister and I was like complaining about something and she was like, Do you want my thoughts? And I was so glad she asked because I was like, no. I was like, I'm too sensitive and too hurt right now to hear anything rational. I just want to be upset. And it was so nice to give myself permission to just stay in that space longer. And then I knew I would get out of it. And I knew that I wasn't sacrificing anything, right? I knew that I was like, I can be upset for a while and also achieve my goals. And so it's nice to have that balance too, where you're like, I get both sometimes. I can be a whiny little brat and also
1: (laughs) finish my projects. That is empowering to me. And you just give yourself that permission to do so. You give yourself that permission to feel. Angry, to feel sad, to feel whatever that negative emotion is. The buffering is the same thing. Like you give yourself permission, and you're like, okay, I'm just going to sit here and watch Netflix all day. Okay, I'm giving myself 12 hours to zone out, to do whatever. And then tomorrow I'll just get back on track. Now, here's the thing though if that is your pattern of like, oh, I'll get back on track tomorrow, then we got to call you out on your shit right it's like okay are you one of those people like i'm just going to blow the whole weekend and eat whatever i want and i'm going to get back on track on monday so that is a thought that we just have to identify that keeps us in this loop right in this pattern because oh you're giving yourself permission at that point to just indulge and avoid working towards your goal
0: i love that you called that out right? Or like, I'll get to it later. I'll do the work later. Any, anytime you're saying the word later and you're a procrastinator, honestly, throw up a flag for yourself. That's a place to investigate. Because what I think happens is we're like, I'll put it off until later and I'll feel the reprieve and the relief of not doing it in the interim. But usually, we don't actually feel relief and reprieve. We usually feel guilt
1: and overwhelm
0: now compounded by the fact that we have to do it later.
1: And all of the mental energy that takes up because you're still thinking about the thing you got <laughs> to do later and the other thing you said you got to do later and the other thing you got to, oh, yeah, I said I was going to do that too later.
0: Okay. Anything else as we close out that you think people should know about buffering?
1: It's not the end of the world. We all do it and it's okay. If I can look at my clients and say, it's okay that you had a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream last night. You should be able to look at yourself and give yourself some grace and be compassionate and understand why that happened. Now, Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. So this is the work, right? Of like knowing better and then making the decision, okay, do I want to stay where I am or do I really want to improve and lose the weight? It's okay to buffer sometimes. I think that's very reassuring for people to hear. Yeah, it's okay. As coaches, we give our clients grace. We're not judgmental of our clients. We hold the space. So I teach my clients how to do that for themselves too.
0: I would tack on this question. I find it really helpful to fill in the blanks. So when I was buffering, doing what specifically, tell yourself what you were doing, I was trying to avoid the feeling of X and I was trying to get the feeling of X. And what I find is both of those things are always happening with buffering. We're trying to avoid a feeling. We're trying to get a feeling. And once you get more familiar about that, then you learn how to give yourself those that self-soothing, like you said at the beginning of the episode, in more constructive ways.
1: I love that. I love that question. We don't learn this in school. Like nobody's ever taught us this before. I'm like my schooling would have been probably completely different had I been able to like know how I was feeling in the moment (laughs) yeah, and choosing how I want to feel, like things would have been completely different. So as an adult, if you're struggling with procrastination, if you're struggling with overeating, like the system was not designed for you to succeed without understanding your feelings. So you're just like catching up on some learning. It's It's all this is, just catching up.
0: The thought that just popped into my head as you were talking, because I was, I totally agree, right? We didn't learn this shit. And I think what can happen is a lot of people go into being really bummed out about that and being like, we should have learned. And I'm like, I agree. Like, let's teach the next generation. But the thought that just popped into my head was we would be too powerful if we had learned this from a younger age. We would have been absolutely unstoppable. Yeah. And I'm like, that might have been too much for the universe. Maybe we needed to learn it now yeah <laughs> and for some
1: reason that actually gives me a lot of relief so interesting back to the tiktok thing and i know we're trying to close up but i was looking at it i don't look at tiktok a lot but you know, all those tiktok videos end up on instagram and facebook anyway and i looked at the app and i was like oh, i should probably just delete it I should just delete it and just in this space that i have control over not give it any more power you should have a delete tiktok challenge <laughs>
0: Do you know that's so funny? I was actually just thinking about doing like a social media challenge because I was looking at my screen time and I have so many clients who are like, as soon as I figured out how to work on my most important projects, my screen time naturally went down because I knew what I should be working on and why I was working on it. So it's like, it's almost like deleting social media or spending less time on social media comes as a natural byproduct of doing more of what you actually want to be doing. So it's like, instead of white knuckling your way through, like less time on social media. I'm like, go spend more time doing what you love and just see if your numbers start declining too.
1: Same thing with weight loss. I love the analogies, right? Go spend more time feeling good and feeding your body, fueling your body with energy foods and see if you start consuming less of the the junky foods. It happens naturally when you make that decision. Perfect ending. How can people follow up with you? Well, you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Are we hypocrites? Actually, no. <laughs> I'm just We're sending your clients to Instagram. You guys can find me. Go to my website, jenniferdent.com. And I also have a podcast. So I have the Stop Dieting Forever podcast. You can find me. We're well over 100 episodes in. Listen in and hit that review button if you like what you hear.
0: Awesome. Go find Jennifer. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining today. It was great chatting with you about buffering.
1: Thanks for having me, Christina. Talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the Half Finished to Done podcast. If you're ready to become a self-assured repeat project finisher, the best place to work with me is in my eight-week group coaching program, Half Finished to Done, live. You'll leave our time together with one finished project and the skills you need to finish any project personal, or business in the future. Just head to peakcoaching.co slash HFD live for your next step. Can't wait to work with you.